Hi, you're listening to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Hi, welcome to episode 17 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. Today we will be talking about Guardian episodes 26 through 28, Zolu Continent episodes 26 through 40. My name is Busaba, the entire series, and Beloved in House, I do episodes 8 and 9. So this is your host M. We're going to start off with Guardian. In these episodes, they focus on the other members of the team. Episode 26 focuses on Da Ching who is our team member, who is a demi-human, the one who can turn into a cat. He is from the cat tribe. Up until this point in the series, he has been suffering from amnesia. Um, I call it amnesia. I think they call it dementia at some point in the story. He's even been seeing a doctor to try to figure out what is going on with his memory. They seem to attribute it, not the doctor, because she doesn't really know he's a demi-human, but the show seems to attribute it to his age because he is ancient despite his appearance. He was around when Kunlan, who's like Chief Xiao's, I don't know, twin or him going back in time or whatever you want to call it. He was around when they had met uh, Shen Wei before. So that was about 10,000 years ago. So he is very old. But in this episode, he meets someone from his forgotten past. And we learn that, that there's another reason for his amnesia and it probably has nothing to do with his age at all. And we also learn a little more about Mr. Lee, who is the caretaker who we see, you know, every few episodes or so, we'll see him for a few minutes taking care of the building where the special investigation unit is housed. We learn a little about him and why he has a special place in his heart for Da Ching. We also get to see more of our text wizard, tech wizard, Lin Jing, who begins to have feelings for a mysterious woman who is also part of a, a part to play in Ye Jun's plan. Our master of the brush appears several times as well in these in these episodes. This is difficult for the team to deal with because they realize that he has a personal personal connection to them all. I actually didn't even recognize him at first until they started saying who he was and then it was like, oh. So it, it's hard for them when they realize who who he is and even tougher when they realize why he's trying to seek revenge, you know, because they, they do feel bad for him. But at the same time, innocent people are being hurt and his revenge that he's trying to get. Everything that's happening, though, this this love interest in Lin Jing's life, our master of the brush, the crow tribe being involved, all of these things are part of Yezun's machinations. Remember, he's our bad guy that looks like Shen Wei. I believe it's Shen Wei's brother. I'm not sure if they've said that at this point, but Everything going on is part of his plan. He's not taking the fight to them directly himself. He's only really done that once, but he's using all of these people to fight for him. And since he's not confronting them directly, you know, it's a race to figure out what he's doing. And they're always kind of playing catch up to to whatever he's doing. They're always reacting to what he's doing and they can't really be proactive because they don't really know really the plan yet. We also get to see a little more of Chief Xiao's father here. He meets up at one point, I believe it's in episode 27. He meets up with Shen Wei. Shen Wei's trying to get some information from him, from him and Chief Zhao sees this. So of course this causes a bit of tension between them because now he kind of feels like Shen Wei is kind of going behind his back. And as we've seen previously, Chief Zhao has a very strained relationship with his father. His father has done many things. I'm not sure that they're trying to say he's evil necessarily, but he's just been so focused on his job and on trying to fight crime, as he says, that sometimes people get hurt while he's trying to, as he thinks, do the right thing. And so 
the actions he has taken in the past also figure into the revenge that people are trying to get because he's been a big part of things in his in his quest to fight crime quote unquote it seems though we got a little more story in certain ways these episodes still feel kind of like filler episodes in a way um, because it focused so much on the other characters but then on the other hand this is stuff we should have been getting from the beginning anyway to learn a little more about them it is episode 27 before I think it's 27 when Lin Jing's love interest is involved before we start seeing a little more about him. I mean, that's really far to get into the show before you start seeing more about a character. And even Mr. Lee, we didn't get any sense of who he was before this either. And then all of a sudden he's almost not quite central, but somewhat central to a whole storyline in an episode. The pacing seems a little, little strange here in that they kind of moved slowly and then all of a sudden they're trying to push stuff in but at the same time it still feels like it's filler episodes. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the later episodes. I can see see a little bit of the quality problems here and at this point it's the storyline. It's not necessarily special effects or anything like that. I don't really we don't really see much special effects here except for one character who does show their ability. Although that's a pretty simple special effect to show, but mostly it's the storyline that's faltering a little bit here. I think. So up next, I'm going to talk about Solo Continent episodes 26 through 40. In these episodes, they all take place in the tournament against the other schools. And there are several fights, quote unquote, going on in these episodes. And I don't mean fights of the tournament. I mean, storyline fights, right? So Daimu Bai has to fight against his brother to become ruler of his country. His brother is stronger We've seen, we saw in previous episodes that his brother is stronger than him. So he has to find it within himself to train, to just increase his, his skills so that he can fight against his brother. Fight and win. Tang San is also still trying to find out about his father and he's still scared that his father is behind the mutation experiments that have been conducted on people and thus responsible for the innocents that have been hurt along the way. All of the Shrek devils, as they call themselves, have to fight to be taken seriously because they're looked down on by the other schools in the tournament who have way more resources than they do. And in fact, it almost seems like they're not going to be able to compete at all, except they do get backed by, they get backed by a prince who has you know, his own interest in seeing Daimu Bai being able to compete. A mysterious figure, quote unquote, kind of steps up to to help their school becomes official. And this, this figure turns out to be someone from uh, the headmaster's past and Tang San's master's past. It's a former colleague of theirs who is very clearly in love or in like with, with Tang San's master. And it's actually so cute because he does not know how to deal with this at all. She comes on somewhat strong, not super strong. She's not like throwing herself on him or anything, but she's making it very clear that she likes him. And he just does not know how to handle it at all. And it's kind of funny seeing someone who in other ways is pretty confident just become like a mess <laughs> when dealing with with this person. We also get to see, meet other characters besides this this colleague that I mentioned who becomes another one of the teachers in the Shrek Academy. We get to meet the Poison Master who is actually the grandfather of Dayu, I think was her name. The, the person who Tang San was supposed to have poisoned, she turns out, she he 
is her grandfather and he becomes part of the storyline as well in the show he becomes an ally we've seen the prince the prince is the one who kind of backed them because he has his interest in damu by becoming the ruler of his country we finally because this is i'm talking about all the way to the end of the show we finally meet the supreme leader of spirit hall and by meeting her we learn why hulena has been doing all of that the scheming the whole time hulena was that student who was auditing the classes in Shrek Academy and who went after Daimu Bai and you know you just never knew what it was she was trying to do now we finally realize what she was trying to do number one but also who she actually is we also finally learn the mystery behind Tang San's mother we learn a little about her abilities we learn what happens to her we know she passed away but we don't know we didn't know exactly why we learn a little we learn more about what happened to her and this causes more heartbreak in Tang San because you know she was hurt by people she shouldn't have been hurt by and on the one hand of course he wants to avenge his mom but on the other hand he's not that type of person and it's not something she would want for him either and then he's also scared that that is what is driving his father if his father is indeed the one who is doing all these things in the background that's hurting innocent people so it's a lot of heartbreak for Tang San at the same time while he's trying to figure all this out about his father and his mother he's also fighting alongside his classmates and wanting to be there for him always by his side is Xiao Wu who makes a big sacrifice for him at one point in the show at not a surprising sacrifice i i knew that she would do something like that but she's also been kind of this mysterious person too right and i've wondered about her before and what i suspected about her and her background does turn out to be true and we find that out pretty late actually and when we find it out it kind of leads leads me to believe like very strongly that there is going to be a season two when is season two going to be? I don't know. <laughs> is it going to be the same actors? I don't know. Um, Xiao Zhan is like very busy right now. <laughs> so I don't know if there will be a season two. I know there's also a cartoon that is the same storyline or this storyline. It's called Soul Land. And that cartoon has like a hundred and I don't even know what episodes. There is a manhwa that goes with us, I think. So there's a lot of story to tell behind Tang San and you know his adventures and and his other classmates I don't know if those stories will be told I wouldn't be surprised um as of this recording I think Dolo Continent is still when you look at various lists of top shows in China I think it's the number one show of 2021 so far but um you know the actors are busy so <laughs> I don't know if we'll get a season two and if we get other actors will it be as good you know it's always hard when when different actors come in for a role but I really hope we do I really enjoyed the show all the way to the end the quality did not go down I don't think in any way in the latter half of the show just very enjoyable the special effects some things were better than others I've mentioned before the spirit beasts don't look great they're not the best part of the special effects but the spirit rings look very nice and other parts of the special effects look nice the spirit beast not as much but actually in the last in the last part of the show they don't even show the spirit beast that much necessarily and the people they do tend to show they are actually wearing like Damu Bai is actually wearing the actor is actually wearing these gloves that are like the paws of 
I don't know what his animal is. It's not a snow leopard, but whatever his animal is, he's wearing like gloves that are like the paws of it. It's not special effects. So that's the thing they tend to show. And I guess that does, you know, save money on special effects. But the spirit ring, Tang San's bluegrass, that's where the money was spent more than on spirit beasts. And, uh, you know, just a good overall show. I'm really, really hoping that a season two is able to come out. The next show I'm going to talk about is My Name is Busaba. My Name is Busaba is actually a Thai show. I was actually looking a little bit about it on my, my drama list. And they have as a related show... My Lovely Samsung, which if you don't know My Lovely Samsung or Kim Samsung, that is a Korean drama. It's been many years since I saw that. I think I saw it when it came out. The storyline is not really the same. She's the Thai version. The main character is a chef and uh, My Lovely Samsung is also a chef. I feel like <laughs> like that's it. I, there was a lot going on in my lovely Samsung that you don't even see her at all. Like there's a whole confusion of she has the same or she chooses for herself the same name as another character in the show who is the ex-girlfriend of the main male lead. And that person is also sick or was like recovering from being sick. And like none of that was in My Name is Busaba. So I would call it loosely based. My name is Busaba. I knew nothing about before I watched it. I know the actress B and the actor film. B is the female lead, is the actress playing the female lead. Film is the actor playing the male lead. And actually I had seen them in a show before, which I couldn't remember the name of. So I was trying to look it up on my drama list. That show is called Mia 2018, which I cannot actually find on YouTube or anything. There are clips of it, but not the show itself. But anyway, while looking for that, I stumbled across My Name is Busaba. That is on Vicky. It says on my drama list that it's on Netflix, but when I tried to look, I could not see it. So I am in America. I don't know what countries it's on Netflix in. So, you know, you'll need a VPN if you want to use Netflix to watch it. But in any case, it is on Vicky. It is the story of 35-year-old Busaba, who is a chef. And I wouldn't call her an aspiring chef. She's already working in the industry. And she's very talented. She's so talented that she is, she inherited, quote-unquote, a book from a master chef that only one person ever inherits this book. So you know she's amazing. She, however, has conflicts with the chef in the restaurant that she worked in, probably because she's just way better than he is. And so she winds up being fired or quitting, whichever way you want to look at it, and she's in need of a job. And on top of that, her boyfriend of many years breaks up with her in a very horrible way. I mean, it was very... The guy was disgusting, and I hope there are not really people out there like this, but there probably are. <laughs> and witnessing her argument is Saran, who is our male lead. Saran is the son of the owner of a hotel and the hotel is, is in trouble. They're trying to save the hotel. Part of trying to save the hotel is they have restaurants uh, affiliated or in the hotel that he wants to make a success. And through a very comedic way, <laughs> which I'll let you watch and not describe, he realizes that Busaba is a very talented chef and winds up tracking her down and convincing her to work in the restaurant. He not only wants her as a chef, but he wants to compete in this show called Super Chef because he thinks by 
if she wins this, she'll be famous, the restaurant will be famous, the hotel will be famous, it will save everyone. And of course, over the course of the show, she winds up or they wind up falling in love with each other. So I thought overall, it was a very interesting show, pretty cute. Um, Busaba and Saran are both people who are kind of wounded characters in a way. Um, and you see their wounds, you know, uh, it is a comedy, a romantic comedy, but we do get to see some of what they've been through. Saran only had like the one relationship in his life and it ended very badly. Busaba, she really only has had, I think, one relationship in her life also. And that ended terribly, but it ended very recently. So she kind of wasted, quote unquote, years and years of her life, 17 years of her life on a cad <laughs> really is what this guy is. So she's not confident in love, but what I like about her is she's confident in her craft. She's confident in her cooking and she knows she's a good cook and she doesn't let anyone make her think otherwise. Even when they do try to attack her professionally, she knows that she's a good cook. And I really like that about her, that she has that confidence. And I like that Soran really Saran really believes in her. He knows she's a diamond in the rough, so to speak. And um, he lets her do her thing because he knows what she does is going to be good for the restaurant. It's going to be good for, for business. It's not love at first sight for either one of them. There's a lot of changing and expanding their minds that they have to do to, to even see each other in this way. It's nice that it takes them a while because what what's good is that they actually become friends first. Friends and colleagues and business partners first before anything else even even enters their mind. Um, there is an age difference between them. So that is part of it. There is a class, quote unquote, class difference between them. Saran is from a wealthy family. As I said, his mother owns this hotel or the family owned the hotel. Uh, Busaba is from a, a humble family, a working family. And so there is that, that difference between them. And so Saran's mother also has to kind of come around to, to looking at Busaba in that way, because first she's not sure what to make of her. It's helped her changing her mind is helped along by the fact that Saran's old girlfriend is just like terrible and she doesn't want anything to do with him. She doesn't want Saran to have anything to do with her because he saw how depressed he was and how how terrible things were for him. She doesn't necessarily think Busaba is the best for him, but it's it's like almost anyone's better for him than him going back to the old um, ex-girlfriend. Um, as these main leads have very good chemistry together, as I said, they were together in a drama, Mia 2018, which came out in 2018. And that drama actually was also a remake, I think. That was, I think, a remake of a Chinese drama called The Fierce Wife. I've tried looking up under Fierce Wife. I've tried Mia 2018 and just just can't find it online anywhere. Whole episodes. That was a that was an okay show. That was a drama though. This though is romantic comedy, and I think it works really well for them because they've got that that chemistry between them. And he's got this kind of innocent face to him. She's also pretty innocent in the ways of love, you know. But again, still with that confidence in her craft, in her in her ability to make dishes, to decide dishes, things like that. So I did really like both of these characters. We see that they're very human. They're very flawed. She, Busaba, unfortunately, ugh, so often actually it happened in the show that one of her enemies, quote unquote, 
would say like, I need to talk to you. And then they would try to put her down or whatever. And then you're just kind of like, why are you talking to this person? You know, they're trying to mess with your mind. You know? And that happened too many times, unfortunately. And then Saran, we got to see him being very human as well, because we, we see him almost as this almost perfect guy, you know, coming, whooping in to, to save her and to save the restaurant and to save the hotel and whatever. But then we see him when he meets up with his friends and they're kind of like, why are you with this person? Like, she's older than you. She doesn't look like we think she should look, et cetera, et cetera. And we see him kind of make a mistake in that, in that moment and show his humanity as well. And I like that, that there were these flawed traits, these flawed characters, right? Because they're, it shows that they're human. Humans make mistakes sometimes, especially if they're feeling peer pressure the way he was in that moment. Musaba is kind of the opposite. She doesn't give into peer pressure at all. And she's very proud about that, that she's not going to give into pressure. But that also is a problem sometimes because sometimes it's not necessarily peer pressure. It's people trying to advise you on ways to improve or ways that, that you can change to help, in her case, help the business grow, etc. And you have to be open to to listen to that as well. Our peripheral characters were interesting as well. Our second male lead, I kind of felt bad for the guy. I mean, you knew from the beginning, he, he was never really a serious candidate, quote unquote, um, we met Busaba's sister, Pim, who we see her in relation to Busaba, but we don't see much of her own storyline. We know she's a flight attendant, but that's like pretty much it. We see Busaba's mother and grandmother. Grandma is the head of the family. Sometimes, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing in this show. Grandma is a little stubborn in, <laughs> in certain instances. She spends a long time liking the second male lead for Busaba when it's probably not a good fit. And it's clear that Busaba has her misgivings about that and grandma's just trying to to push it. Uh, Saran's mother is a very, she's a domineering kind of character. I'm just going to come out and say it. I mean, she kind of has to be very a very strong character, right? She's a female running a business after her husband has passed away. Uh, Saran had a brother and sister-in-law who passed away and left a, a child behind, the niece. And so his mom is suddenly taking care of her grandchild as well, raising her grandchild. And the grandchild, Anna, is suffering from PTSD as a result of the accident because she was there when it happened. She hasn't spoken for three years because of what she witnessed. So there's a lot that the family is dealing with. I like, of course, I don't like that this happened to a child, obviously, but I like that they were realistic about the aftermath of the accident, that there were things that Anna, the niece, were that she was working through, and you know they were talking to doctors about her and about it, even mentioning PTSD. The fact that they were talking about mental health, I thought was was interesting uh, to see in a show, in a Thai show, and the fact that it was about a child because you may see things about adults. I feel like on dramas, but not necessarily kids that much. Diagnosed things about children. In dramas so that was interesting to see that that was a topic that they were that they were dealing with which I'm realizing as I'm saying this actually that that's that's also a similarity to my lovely Samsung there was I don't remember her name but there was a child's character on that show too who who also did not speak having suffered a trauma so all in all a show that I enjoyed they might have been able to cut an episode or two um Dr. Kim who's the second male lead is his, some of his his scenes with him went on a little long I think Especially because he just, he wasn't a convincing possibility from the moment he showed up, at least not for me. Maybe someone else will, would feel differently, but he was never a serious, you know, contender for Busaba's heart 
as far as, as I could tell. It was always going to be Saran. I am glad to see more Thai dramas on Vicky. I do have one complaint that has nothing to do with the drama, but it's actually hard to find Thai dramas on Vicky. And unless you actually type in my name is Busaba onto Vicky, like you may not even know it's there because you can't search by Thai dramas. At least I'm talking about when I'm trying to see it on my TV. Uh, maybe online because it's a keyword kind of thing or tag, you can you can look for it. But I they don't have a Thai category the same way they do for Chinese, Korean, and um, Taiwanese on there. So if you look on my drama list, uh, my name is Busaba is listed up as, as having 16 episodes, but it actually has 24 episodes, just a heads up. So the next and last show we'll be talking about is Beloved In-House I Do, episodes 8 and 9. And I mentioned the episodes for My Name is Busaba because I had heard before that Beloved In-House I Do was going to be 10 episodes, but it is showing as 12 episodes on my drama list. So I'm not sure, but actually that would make more sense because if it's only 10 episodes, the last episode's gonna be really rushed because we just got our bad guy, quote unquote. He just showed up now. I mean, we saw hints of him before, but he actually, we see his face. He's actually in the shop in episode nine. So anyway, Beloved in House, I do episodes eight and nine. In these episodes, Chile and Eugene continue to grow closer and Chile is forced to, you know, come to some realizations about himself and his growing feelings towards Eugene. And mom is still there. And you can tell by the way she's looking at them every time they have any kind of interaction that she knows what's up with her son. I think she knows even before Chile does about his changing feelings. And she obviously approves. I mean, I don't know if, well, I guess I would say approves because she really likes Eugene a lot. She actually starts calling him Xiao Zhen, I think, which is like little Zhen. She gives him his own little nickname because she just really likes him a lot. And I think sees that he is caring towards her son, which of course, you know, what more could a mom want than a partner for her son that is going to take care of him and cares for him, right? So some tensions do develop though between Eugene and Chile when Eugene realizes that Sichui has been in a relationship with Gang, who is the owner of the cafe. He spots them kissing and Chile happens to come right up behind him and he's, you know, he's like, oh, you knew about this, right? And Chile's not a good liar. So what, what can he really, what can he really say? He can't really say anything. And the fact that Chile knew about it and didn't say anything to him, he views as, you know, a betrayal since it means that they are violating the no dating rule, which is his big, one of his big rules, right? And of course the question is, why is Eugene trying to get closer and being so happy about getting closer to Chile? Because wouldn't that violate the dating rule, right? Isn't that a little bit hypocritical? It's like, what is the end game that Eugene is going for? Can't be going for dating. You've said there's no dating. So what is it that you want really from Chile? Chile, uh, of course, is feeling more and more confused and... <laughs> He winds up kind of trying to run away from Eugene. Uh, much of the confusion and amusement of everyone in the cafe where Chile seeks refuge in episode nine. And the problem is, of course, it's hard to run away from someone that you work and live with. 
And to top it off, he knows where you go for leisure, right? He knows you're going to the cafe. He's also friends with the people and with the owner of the cafe, at least. So there's really nowhere you can run to to have a moment to think. Eugene doesn't want him to have a moment to think, right? He's, I don't know if he's scared that Sheila is going to quit or what he's scared of exactly that Sheila is going to do, but he, Eugene is scared. And so he doesn't really want to let Sheila out of his sight. He wants Sheila near him and even resorts to kind of pretending that he's having like an allergic reaction just to to stop Sheila from running off, which of course that's going to stop Sheila in his tracks, right? Because he really cares a lot for Eugene and he doesn't want to see him hurting. Interestingly, in this episode, I had mentioned in the previous podcast that we, some of the preview clips and stuff that we see, we don't actually see in the next episode. They're just like, they seem to have just been showing these clips. But actually in this episode, we get to see some of those previous clips from, from the previous previews. We see them taking place finally in this episode, right? Like when it starts off, that clip where Sheila's mom catches them sleeping, literally sleeping together, sleeping next to each other on the floor. We finally see that in this episode. So that was interesting to see. Uh, I'm curious what's going to happen in the next episode because Sheila, I think, has finally decided he's going to to pin Eugen down maybe about what it is that he wants or maybe he's planning to confess or whatever. And here the bad guy has shown up, right? So we, we're going to see how that throws a wrench into things. Is he going to try to go for Eugen again? Or is he just there to stir up trouble? You know, what what is going to happen here? More, I thought, really cute episodes. Um, nothing super big happens in this show. I've mentioned this before. This is very, I wouldn't say these two episodes of Slice, are a slice of life. We don't really see them doing a lot in the workplace, but we do see them in the workplace. That's a big part. That's the big part of this story. But it's a very quiet show. Now, I don't know if it's going to continue with it right? Because now we've got the bad guy come in. I hope they don't get over the top zaniness going on just because they've introduced the bad guy finally. Um, there was a little shift in tone in this episode. It still stayed, stayed pretty light, but they started using all these sound effects. I thought using them very well, actually, but it's not something they've necessarily been doing that much of in previous episodes, but we had it here. I thought it's a good effect. One thing I haven't mentioned previously. I don't know why because I don't think I've mentioned it but I have mentioned in a previous podcast I don't focus much on soundtracks necessarily but I have to say I love the song the opening song closing song for this show. I think it's really cute and it fits the overall cute tone of the show because it's just a cute show. Everyone here is cute and I don't mean physically how they look but just cute characters. Sichi who has that innocence about him, Gang who's like a very serious guy who just wants what's good for his friends, you know, Shile, big brother Shile looking out for his co-workers slash friends and just a loving son to his mom and, and also someone who's trying to figure himself out who has just been thrown a, a curveball by these feelings that he's having for another man for his boss. It's just something that I don't think ever occurred to him until now. Eugene, who, even though he's got this rule and has been through some things, obviously, he also has kind of an innocence about him too. Because in these scenes where Sheila is trying to run away from him, Eugene is like sitting there, like I said, he's kind of scared, like not knowing what to do. And he just has this wide-eyed, innocent look also, right? He doesn't really know what to do with his feelings either. So it's just a cute show overall. And I'm still really enjoying it a lot. Again, if you're someone who likes 
over-the-top drama and this and that this this show is probably not the show for you it's it's too quiet for that but if you're someone who likes slice of night slice of life calm kind of shows this may be something that you may enjoy that's it (laughs) that's the end of episode 17 of notes from a drama watcher next week i hope to continue with more of guardian i hope to get back to imperial coroner i kind of stopped because i just decided to check out my name is busaba and got hooked on it and just pretty much watched it all the way through and of course more of beloved in house i do (laughs) so again thanks so much for listening Remember to like and subscribe. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at DramaWatcher6 or on Gmail at DramaWatcherNotes at gmail.com. Thanks again and stay safe, everyone.